Well, good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. Uh, I am Jeremy Finch, and obviously we have Pastor Rick Whitmer on the uh, other screen. Rick, how you doing, man? Doing really well, thank you. Um, living the quarantine life. Yeah, I was outdoors earlier. You are right now, but we got a lot of wind out here, so I don't think that would work for me. <laughs> Definitely enjoying the uh, the gift of the, of the spring weather. Yeah. Always reminds me of God's promise in Genesis nine that as long as the earth remains, the seasons will continue. So I just look at each change of the seasons as a sign of His faithfulness. Yeah, yeah, I love springtime's always my favorite, especially especially like culminating almost in in Easter time when yeah. Easter takes place. It's like yes, it's arrived. You know, not culminating. That's not the right word. Well, it's the culmination of the Christian year. It's the climax of the church calendar. That's what you meant, right? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's good to see you, man. I miss, I miss being in the office with you. I miss being in the office with you too, man. And uh, you did a great job with the, you and Jordan both. Um, the Easter service was Thank wonderful. Um, the Good Friday service was awesome. This has been, you know, I realized this was the first Easter in my entire children's lives where they've woken up on Easter morning and had dad at home to wow. have this with them. Cause I'm always at the sunrise service. Yeah. And they were always really, I mean, they'll probably be there next year for sure. But um, you know, when they were babies and toddlers, it was like, you know, we want actually to have an Easter afternoon that doesn't include meltdowns. So they, you know, they came to Sunday seminar and stuff, but it yeah. was, it was for what it was, you know, not being able to be with the church, it was something special and you guys had a, a huge part in that. So thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. I, and I think, you know, I, I want to just say thank you to Jordan if he's watching this. I mean, what yes. he's been doing has been incredible and just the time and energy that he's just put into the videos has been, has been incredible. So thank you, Jordan, if you are watching this, I don't know if you are, but yeah, it's, it's so much yeah. fun with him and just seeing just the details that go into filming stuff. And it's, it's a lot of work, so I appreciate him. Yeah, it's and what a great segue into our topic today. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, we everything about our Sundays, Rick, has has changed as you're as you're well aware. I mean, we don't we don't meet the way that we used to meet. We don't, uh, you know, prep necessarily the way that we used to prep, and it's just everything's everything's different and it's changed, obviously, but. What are some things that you've noticed over the last month that has been encouraged you in regards to um, the use of, of technology? So that's our topic, technology. technology. And, you know, even right now, how we do Voice of the Valley <laughs> is, is, well, you know, we, we're doing a video of Voice of the Valley right now, which is something that's pretty cool that we haven't done before and we wouldn't be doing if it wasn't for, you know, the need to use technology the way we're using it in quarantine. Um, so some of the some of the things have been, I think, the impact of the gospel. I think that would probably be the biggest one is the the widespread impact of the gospel during this time. Simply because we're doing things, leveraging technology, in a way that we haven't before. Mm -hmm. You know, and I have mixed feelings about that during normal seasons simply because 
how easy do you make it for somebody not to come to church simply because everything about church is available technologically? You know, I think that's a pitfall for a lot of Christians in America, but the fact of not being able to meet right now and, and being able to then take these things and broadcast them has been a lifeline. And I've heard that from so many people. It's a lifeline for them. So, so there's that, that has been an encouragement. The number of people who are unsaved, who have watched, who have heard the gospel um, is huge. And we don't know what God is doing with that in the sovereign purpose that he has. But I know it's, it's good. And uh, I wonder how many people will see in heaven one day who, who would say that this was this season and how the gospel reached them, not just through Sun Valley Church, but through, through faithful churches using tech for the glory of God through this whole pandemic has been an impact and a turning point for their faith. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the connection of people using technology through this. I think in some ways we're more connected than ever um, throughout the week simply because we know we have to be because we're not going to see each other on Sunday. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see and be a part of, you know, from our side of things, you know, we can see how many people are viewing, uh, how many people, it's, how many people our services has reached. And, and we're, it's super encouraging to see that we're reaching like over 2000% of what we normally do on a Sunday. Like we're, we're in the, the 3000, 4000 range of, of people who are being reached on a weekly basis. Wow. It's really encouraging to see the church using this as an opportunity to share to take what what's normally taking place on a Sunday and just sharing it and saying, Hey, join us, watch, watch with us. And yeah, it's cool to see. And people are primed for it because everything's falling apart. It looks like, you know, just yesterday, the international monetary fund predicted a recession that we haven't seen since the great depression. Mm-hmm. And when people hear that, I, you know, a neighbor of mine, talked about it in terms of the end times he's not a believer what do you, what do you do with that kind of spiritual openness you walk through those doors and but people are ready yeah 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 another thing that i've noticed that has been cool as you know as we're in self-quarantine katie and i just went on a walk yesterday with the kids and just the amount of people that are outside yeah just, you know, we talk about technology and the benefits and how great it is and blah, 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 blah. But then when people are forced to stay inside, it causes them to be more proactive and getting outside, I think. So it's been yeah. cool to see that too. Yeah, we're doing family walks. We just had a family walk last night. And, you know, we've got this herd of cows up the street that is our new friends. Um, and so we go and visit them. You know, we, we just didn't do that stuff as much. Yeah. hopefully some of these new normals when when pandemic ends will stay yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah now rick to continue on this this topic of technology we know that uh technology moves at a rapid pace so what's what's new and cool today is obsolete tomorrow uh, and because of this, it seems that 
as as humans and as Christians, uh, it leaves us wanting the biggest and newest thing today. So how do we as Christians fight for contentment in a uh, uncontent world in a rapidly changing world? Man, you know, when we think of change, rapid change, that in, even though we see it in a more pronounced way with the technological revolution, um, it's really been happening on the heels of the industrial revolution as people moved into cities, um, as we were able to mass produce things in a way that we never thought possible. Um, and, but even before that, contentment has always been a struggle for folks um, because human nature doesn't change. Um, we've been, we've been struggling with contentment since the garden. And you see that in the patriarchs in Genesis, you see it, you see it all throughout scripture. And so the battle for contentment in relation to technology, I think is the same heart struggle that is the battle for contentment with anything. Um, whether it be job, house, cars, because we've been, you know, new cars have come out way before we had the tech advances that we do um, to buy, you know, the iPhone 11, 11R, 11X, whatever it is that is out right now, I don't know. Um, and Paul addresses this. I've got uh, my Bible here, and I'm going to read you just a, a section from 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10, because I think he really goes for the heart on this one. And I'm thinking about you know, the, the dynamic that Jesus was talking about when he says out of the heart come murder, theft, adulteries, the words we speak, um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, um, guard your heart. Paul, Solomon says in Proverbs 4, because from it come the issues of life. Contentment is an issue of life. And so the question of contentment is, where's your heart set? And Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And there's a few things going on there um, that we don't have time to get into, but just a couple of thoughts in reading through it. When he says we have, we'll be content with food and clothing, um, I think what he's talking about with clothing is not just literally the clothes on your back, um, but also basically saying, what do you need to sustain the health of your body and to protect you from the elements of the world, right? And so I think your house would be included under that category. You know, do we have a roof over our heads, food in our bellies? Do we have what we need? Um, if we do, we can be, we'll be content with those things. We may want more, but we don't need more. And so he, he says that, and then he says, here's the heart aspect, the desire to be rich. And under that desire to be rich, you know, I would include the desire for the next iPhone. You know, I know there are some people who, who literally will wait in line back when, way back when there was lines before social distancing um, <laughs> to get the new iPhone, even though they just got the new one nine months before. 
And, and it's like, well, what's going on there? Well, it's a heart desire. And he says, those who desire to be rich or who desire these newer, better things fall into temptation. So I think we can really simplify it by simply saying, you know, this is the same thing as my desire, you know, my temptation to, to get angry um, when things don't go my way or my temptation to, um, to do things that are harmful for me that might feel good in the moment, but don't satisfy and they're out of bounds from God's will. So when, what, what do we need in order to get all this stuff that we want? We need money. Well, Jesus talks a lot about money and we know that our money doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. We're called to steward it. So how do we steward it for his glory? Well, we can definitely steward it for his glory with an, you know, by buying an iPhone, but we probably can't steward it for his glory by buying a new iPhone every year. And because the question is what, for every dollar that we're not doing one thing with and doing another thing with, we're making economic choices with God's money. And so the way, I think the the biggest thing in striving for contentment is returning to the gospel every day. You know, this sounds familiar to folks because we talk about it often. Staying immersed in who Christ is, because (laughs) what is that song we sing? the things of earth will go strangely, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So all of a sudden, the more Jesus we see as we're reading our Bible on our iPhone 10s, the less glorious an iPhone 11 looks because we realize that in the light of who Jesus is, the desire to be faithful with his money for the spread of his glory grows. And, and we just our desire diminishes for those other things that we would use as contentment substitutes for him. And then Paul says, you know, it's through these cravings that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves. It's a good question because really the question is how do we keep an eye out for the things that will pierce us? Even if those things in and of themselves aren't inherently wrong. And I think the key is, Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. You do you just want to sing the whole song for us or I do. <laughs> but I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, for those who uh don't know, Rick used to be the worship pastor at Sun Valley for two years, not two months, but two years. <laughs> and I was never that was not what I was hired to do. <laughs> We had a, it's been a while. A lot of people don't know, you know, that the day we moved into to Yakima to start at Sun Valley Church, it was a Sunday. And, uh, and the worship pastor um, changed to Catholicism. And that left something of a gap, <laughs> as you would imagine. And, uh, and I had led worship in several, in churches throughout my life up to that point. And so I wasn't awful. And so I ended up doing that job in addition to the one I was hired for, for two years. So, uh, so you just decided to jump onto those ivories and start slaying it. Slayed it, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> so back, back to our, uh, topic of discussion uh with with every advancement of technology 
there seems to be an apprehension about it. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, it, it wasn't uncommon to hear things like, you know, TVs of the devil kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we think about the printing press, we think about the radio, TV, internet, all those things. There's the initial reaction is, is apprehension. So when we look at, at technology today, Rick, is there a way that we can look at these advancements of technology through the lens of scripture? Yes. Yes. Oh, what, what are those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this this morning, and the thing is, advancement of technology is actually a really good thing. In and of itself, I would argue that that brings much glory to God because we were, we were created to advance back in Genesis one. He entrusts this earth to us. And what, what's going on there is it's pretty profound. You've got a garden that's cultivated man's created out of the dust of the earth and placed in that garden. The woman is brought to his side to help him. And their mandate is to take dominion, subdue the earth so that this garden, garden temple, and, and I can call it a garden temple because theologians have noted that, that the decor of the actual temple that God gave is filled with trees of the garden, fruits, and all sorts of things that you would have found in Eden, hearkening back to that original purpose to spread the glory of God through the earth so that the whole earth would be filled with his worshipers as man multiplied and subdued the earth so that all of it reflected his glory in the garden. So this idea of spreading the garden temple through taking dominion in a way that honors him, that's called the culture mandate. Technological advance is part of how that mandate happens. You know, as mankind continued to flourish, we started to have metalwork. You know, I think in the genealogy in Genesis 11 talks about the first man to start to start to use forges. And so the development of forging technology to make weapons, the use of shipbuilding technology to make an ark, you know, um, I think it was Genesis five was that genealogy. And, you know, as technology has continued, people have been able to do a lot of things they weren't able to do before. And, economies have prospered with the printing press came the ability to read and what happened with that people got to read the bible for the first time that they never had gotten to read before because it was too sparse or too too scarce of a resource so economic advance happens with with the culture mandate the spread of the gospel happens through the culture mandate as now the gospel is being broadcast into places in the middle east that missionaries can't go um, it's being pumped through the airwaves into North Korea, which is the most oppressive place to be a Christian. Um, human flourishing happens as now we have things like Walmart that are giving people who could never afford certain luxuries, they can get them at rolled back prices all through technology. So those are good things in and of themselves. Um, Logos Bible software wouldn't be available and how many pastors would not be able to go to the depth that they do simply because we don't have the intellect of a John Owen to be able to do stuff with our logos that he did on a slow Saturday morning. Um, 
podcasts, eBooks, all those things are good. So I would say that's how we should look at it as something that inherently is part of the culture mandate that just like anything else good can easily become a stumbling block if we're not careful and then leveraged in the idolatrous human heart can become destructive, such as with the profligation of pornography that has wrecked so many lives, marriages, and churches, um, and enabling people to do sin in more creative ways, um, allowing predators to have access to people they never did before. So there's a dark side, but the thing itself, actually we should see in, in the larger story of redemptive history as one day, you know, as the, the glory of the nations, the glory of the nations is brought into the new Jerusalem. I think those are going to include the technologies that the nations have used. So those were some thoughts that came to my mind in thinking through that. Now, one of, one of Katie and I's favorite things to do at the end of the day, work's over, kids are asleep, hopefully, um, uh, is just to sit down and enjoy a few episodes of a show. And, uh, is, sorry, what was that? Not Tiger King, right? Not Tiger King. (laughs) Uh, but we, th- it's just something that's relaxing for us that we can just, you know, at the end of a long day, kick our feet up and, and enjoy a few shows together. Now, I think the question that inevitably arises in this is hearkening back to Paul when he writes to the Corinthian church and he says, whether you eat or drink or all that you do, do all for the glory of God. Can you watch a TV show for the glory of God. Yes. I believe you can. And, you know, this is one of those things that it's easy to want to not talk about so much because we're so guarded against the misuses of things. The, the four and a half average hours per day that American adult spends watching television, which is an astronomical amount of television that is really gluttony. Uh, of time usage. And so, yeah, just like everything else, it can be done sinfully, but inherently, which is the question you're asking, can we glorify God by watching a TV show? Yes. Because could you glorify God by reading a fiction book? What do you think? Yeah. And so, but can you, can you sin by binging on fiction reading? Yeah. And so, the medium is the question and what's inherently different about watching a story told on television rather than a story written on pages. I mean, we just have the technology to do that now, you know? So yeah, can we? Sure. And is it good? Yeah. I do the same thing too, because God built in a rhythm of rest into the creation order. And one of the ways that it's nice to rest after you've been working all day, or if you have a, you know, very book centric job like ours. Um, the thing that you don't want to unwind by reading more books. Um, sometimes you do, you know, and, and we, we need to, but it's good to unwind snuggling your wife on a couch and just disconnecting from the intensity of life for a little while. Now you, you mentioned this idea and we've talked about this before where, you know, one or two episodes can easily turn into 
three or four episodes and we know this as binge watching. Uh, and I've been listening to the radio over the last few weeks of, of, you know, what, what's, what are the things to do during quarantine? And every, every, uh, uh, you know, suggestion is, you know, binge watch this show or, you know, play this video game. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, that's the thing to do in quarantine. But how do we, how do we guard ourselves from doing that? You know, some people aren't working. Some people, you know, have a lot of time on their hands. And so, you know, it's available. It's, we can do it. It's, it's there. So why not just watch a whole show in a few days? Um, one thought is, what is this? And, and this is going to kind of connect with how do you glorify God watching TV? The content does matter. Okay. So let me just say that right out of the gate. There are, there are a lot of things that a lot of Christians enjoy and that I've enjoyed and had to step back and go, you know, I don't know if that's, I don't think I can do that because God is inherently dishonored by the content of what I'm watching. So some, some things are off limits, but let's say that you've got something that with a clear conscience, even if your brother disagrees with, you know, wouldn't watch it, you can watch it with a clear conscience. It's, you're, you're convinced having thought through it that this is not inherently inappropriate to watch. How do you not overdo it? You know, one of the things is make a plan. I think, I think there's, that a lot of people just live life by the seat of their pants and they don't really have a plan for stewardship. And so they miss opportunities. And then all of a sudden you look back and you go, holy smokes, I just spent four hours on that. I was just going to sit down for 40 minutes. Okay, well, one way to get ahead of that is go, oh, we have this much time, right? It's the same amount of time that we had yesterday. These are the things we need to do, get them done, and then say, how would we like to steward our evening? Um, there's a theology book I've been wanting to get through. So let's read for, for an hour. Let's make sure we do that. And we need to, let's get to bed by, you know, this time. Because if we don't, it's going to cut into our devotional time in the morning because we're not going to wake up. Okay, so let's think ahead. So how, what's going to be the godly choice? That leaves us 45 minutes to watch TV. Not because we're being legalistic about it, but because we want to be wise. You know, Paul says, make the best use of your time because the days are evil. So planning to make the best use of your time is probably the easiest way to get ahead of that. And then just like you do, I hope with food and with finances, be disciplined with it. You can, you can be a glutton with time usage as much as you can with food usage. The issue is not the thing itself. The amount of the thing is where the difference gets made. Someone can enjoy a beer, but if they enjoy three beers in a sitting, they've got a problem because that's going to no longer be yielding every faculty of theirs to the control of the spirit. So sin happens oftentimes by degrees, not simply by legalistically saying this is completely off limits. That's an easy solution, but it's not a godly one. So make a plan. You know, four episodes of a 25-minute show is less time than a movie. Four episodes of a 40-minute drama, eh, you know, that's, that's pretty significant. So sometimes, you know, date night, you want to watch a whole movie. 
if you watch a whole movie every night, you're probably doing something. <laughs> you're probably not doing something that you should. And those are the sins of omission. Lord, forgive us for I've not done the things that I ought to have done. So we look at it through the whole biblical lens of what God's called us to in a faithful life. And then we see where are the margins here where rest serves us being able to do those things better. So tonight, after a long day of work, after family worship with the kids, playing a game with them, putting them to bed, doing some reading, I'm going to be more energized in the ministry I've got to do tomorrow by sitting down and watching a show with my wife. And so rest serves labor, fruitful labor in the creation order. But the problem with our culture is that we work to rest. But for the Christian, it's the other way around. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that was, that was great. That's a, that's a great way to think through, you know, how we spend our time. Because uh, it, it, it really comes back to, you know, starting from, you know, the, the advancement of technology to how we spend our time. It, it all boils down to stewardship, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's one, that's one area I think, especially in my life, is I don't really think about all that much is how can I be a good steward of, you know, my time, my money, my energy, uh, you know, with my family. It's, it's one thing that I don't think we think about too much. And I know I don't, but uh, it's a great way to think about that when it comes to how we view technology. And another key aspect of it is, is not just the, the stewardship of our time and how we're stewarding it, but our motives and desires in doing it. And so I might, I might, be able to look back on today and go, I used today exactly as I should have. I didn't overwatch. I didn't overeat. I did what I was supposed to do. I, I checked the boxes and I can legalistically feel good about myself. And all the while I may have desired to have spent four hours in front of the television, I would have desired to eat the whole pizza, you know? And so for as Christians, knowing that the, he is Lord of our hearts and not just our actions. That's another thing that we need to really ask is if I'm desiring to overdo it, why? And then first ask him to give us the desires to do the things that bring him glory, because we don't want to just follow the Lord um, outwardly, but we want to follow him inwardly with our whole hearts. So help us to love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. So our desires and our actions, I think, are the two things that we want to keep keep in mind as we're evaluating what are we doing with the tech that God's given us. Yeah, well, thanks, Rick, for uh, your insights into technology. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I was just looking here at this. Oh, you're welcome. I don't know. I, I kind of was, I felt a little weird when you asked me to do this one because I don't, I'm not all that tacky of a guy. You know, I still do my sermon, my sermon studies on paper with pens and, uh, but, uh, you know, it gave me some good stuff to think about and really reflect on. So I'm grateful for it. And it was a little convicting too. So thanks for that. (laughs) Yes. Well, church, we hope that this has been encouraging to you. Um, and as you're in quarantine and in self-isolation, we pray that you would make the best use of your time for the days are evil, as Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, um, that you would make the best use of your time and uh, take, take to heart what Pastor Rick just uh, encouraged us with. So 
And I thank you, by the way, for not asking me about some of my technological blunders and faux pas. I know you could have done that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys, if, if you're watching, you can ask Rick uh, yourself about about those things. Uh, but we love you, Church. Uh, we look forward to being with you soon, and uh, uh, we hope that you've been encouraged by the services that have been taking place online, and that we would encourage you to keep sharing those and and um, extending that out to your friends and family because it is it's reaching a lot of people. Uh, but we love you. We look forward to being with you again, and we'll uh, we'll see you again real soon.